We made a mistake in this episode where we said it was Craft Beer Radio, episode 485, December 22nd, 2018. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio. Tonight, uh, we're here with Greg and Jeff, and we're going to drink some beers. Beers? Beers. Beers, beers. Well, we got some, we had a couple of fruity ones, and yeah. sour, and I think a single IPA tonight, which is interesting. What? A single IPA? One IPA. All right, so it's like Christmas break. You're off next week, right? I have 11 days off. I'm off next week, so this is the beginning of our Christmas holiday. Uh, by the way, I have uh, New Year's free. Do you now? I do. Huh. I think I probably have it free, too, but <laughs> uh, let me check with the wife, make sure we don't have any plans that I'm forgetting about. Um, yeah, so let's see, any of these Beers come from the brewery? I don't think so. No, I don't believe. No, listener contributed. And I brought one back from, or two back from Seattle. So where shall we start? How about F is for fruit salad? All right. We had uh, G is for gooseberry, I believe, right? Yeah. Uh, and we may have had C is for cherry. I don't know. There's a whole bunch of these. I think there's A is for apple. There's, But we got to F now in Evil Twins. Yes, F List. is for fruit salad. F is for fruit salad. And this is 4.5% alcohol volume, a goza with a bunch of fruits in it. Yeah. Do you have the list on your thing? I don't. Okay. It's uh, with salt and blueberry, strawberry, blackberry, peach, and blood orange. Color is a hazy bronzish. Smells like a goza. This is brewed by Westbrook. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Evil Twin has like several places they brew, being a gypsy brewer and all. Um, but yeah, mostly it's uh, Two Roads or Westbrook. Yeah, and if you're going to brew a goza, Westbrook is, yeah. And so it's not like huge fruity... On the nose. And I'm surprised that they called it fruit salad and didn't make pear a big part of it, right? Because, I mean, fruit salad's practically peaches and pears. Fruit salads, you know, like I don't, cups. No, I don't, I don't think so. No, I think oh, more that's tangerine. Fruit co- that's fruit cocktail. Yeah. Okay. Never <laughs> yeah. mind. Never mind. <laughs> I'm thinking of fruit cocktails. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I take that back. Fruit salads were not fruit cocktails necessarily. Yeah, the fruit's not really big on the nose. I'm just kind of getting a little bit of tartness on the, and then it's there in the flavor for sure. A little bit of you know sea like ocean breeze from the saltiness. I'm not surprised that Westbrook um, brews a really good goza. Um, a lot of hmm, a lot of interesting fruit going on there. Um, a nice combination of fruits that, that's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It's more than just like a fruit punch. Yeah, it, it's... I like that it's not... Like, the beer is not red or blue or purple, mm-hmm. right? I like that it's really... The fruit is there and apparent, but it's not first. The goza's first, the malts, the, the tartness... The saltiness is in there. Um, that's kind of the first part, and mm-hmm. the fruit's kind of secondary to that. I mean, this is what you know gozas can be: is they can be really refreshing and interesting beers. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really well done. Yeah, the sour levels right on. Mm-hmm. It's not too much, not too little. The uh, nice dry. You know, so I've had some goes lately, like they're too much barley. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like like they're just kind of like sweet and bready, and it doesn't yeah. make sense. So before we get to the really contentious topic, okay, I want to talk about something that, that uh, I've been meaning to talk about for a couple of weeks, but I keep forgetting. Cheers, 
not toasted come toasting toasting prost whatever and not so much the hey cheers but this part i don't buy it (laughs) (laughs) greg the curmudgeon's coming back the 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 contrarian blowhard it's it's not like i i get the whole well first of all i think part of it is that it's become such a like thing just a mm-hmm. tradition thing that everyone has to do, and you almost feel sometimes forced into doing it. And that's not fun, having to force yourself into doing it. Oh, oh yeah, i got to do this thing every time. Like, okay, I, and I can also appreciate sort of the whole celebration. Hey, cheers, lift your glass. And that that's fine. Mm-hmm. It's the clinking your glass to everybody that bugs me. Especially when you can't reach everybody. Well, yeah. So that's part of the problem. Well, one of well, the problem A is that clinking your glass is just inconvenient, and you might break your glass, especially if you have these, you know, these glasses that we're using that are not. <laughs> I mean, I don't feel like they they will break if we clink them, but I do feel like I don't want to. You know, they're thin enough that I really don't want to push them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also. The etiquette and, and stuff you have to go through when there are, like, 20 people at the table, you have to bend over and try to reach for everybody and make sure you clink. Did I not get you? Did, you know, and try to clink everybody just to do this dumb ritual thing. It feels like beer pong to me. Just say no, man. Just say no. <laughs> if everyone's doing it, then you're the odd man out if you say no and you feel like... You're the beer expert, though, I'd be like, huh, maybe there's something behind not doing it. Well, do you have any opinion on this, or, or are you I, just going to leave I, me I, out? I, him, no, no. I, I, I am mostly on your side. I never feel inclined to start a toast. I don't like having to touch everyone on the table when they're hard to reach. Uh-huh. If there's, you know, four people at a table and it's no big deal, I... I don't have much of an opinion right um i would like to know, i would like to get someone's opinion who you know starts toasts like i feel like you're not going to find a lot of people who are listeners to this show who do that because we don't people who listen to the show i imagine we're gonna generalize here don't need to do don't need to ritualize drinking like that it's not about the ritual it's more about they're enjoying the the thing in the glass so they don't need to do any of this stuff to to make to psych them up for I mean, drinking that, that's kind of me right like i think the conversation we're having is the way you show the people at the table that you enjoy the time you're spending with them not mm-hmm. banging your glasses together um i think if we want to deep dive into this we should take it to the post show though okay but i, I just wanted to put it out there sure uh, Craft Beer Radio doesn't toast. <laughs> we don't toast. Just enjoy- talk about the beer. That's that's the fun thing. Talking, yeah, talking, not just about the beer, but to your friends. Mm-hmm. Not doing these dumb rituals and things that amount to elaborate handshakes. Yeah, yeah, sure. I can get behind that. Okay, so that, very good. This goes that this uh, evil twin F is for fruit salad. Yeah, actually, we're going to have a fair amount of sour tonight, mm-hmm. aren't we? Let's, you pick this this I, selection. Yeah, I see that now. I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> Let's do this. So, I mean, I'm going to be sour on a sour show. <laughs> <laughs> the impressionist. The impressionist. Well, the impressionist. Old Mother Brewing Company. Uh, I'm not good at impressions, so. Mm-hmm. Old Mother Brewing Company is in Gatesburg. Come on, you did Jerry Lewis when you were doing the notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because we have the lady. <laughs> See, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I made this mark remark when I was when, when I was putting these together. So this is from um, Greg and yeah, Greg sends this one. This is. This is not in in Gaithersburg. This is in Frederick, Maryland. Which one was in Gaithersburg? And then Transpire was. <clears throat> Maybe this was. I don't know. Um, I, I was making a remark how when I grew up there, there were no breweries or beer pubs or anything there. Now mm-hmm. there are like four. 
plus. Yeah. I wonder, well, when you moved to, you know, your neighborhood in Pittsburgh, there was no breweries there either. So maybe because you, you know, maybe there's a bit of a time capsule thing going on back at home. No, no. It's just, it's just fascinating. There's so many breweries out there. I mean, it's like, (laughs) there's breweries in Gaithersburg. All right. So this is a hazy IPA. It has, has like full on wit beer type murkiness to it has a head that fell down pretty quickly. It just has a ring now. 6.8% alcohol by volume. Don't really have any information about this. Well, another thing we talked about when I was setting up the notes. Remember when Freeze had websites? <laughs> <laughs> Necessary. Uh, Social media fixed all that. Yeah. All right, the aroma on this guy is kind of pineapple... Little bit of sweet mm, orange or grapefruit, mm-hmm. and then kind of has that kind of creamy type aroma that you know hazy IPAs can have. Getting a little bit of a, of a sweet sort of malt backbone here. I don't mm-hmm. know whether that's totally there, but big fruit juice tart to it, really big fruit juice tart, like. So much that I am looking at the can to see if there's fruit juice in here. Don't think so. I don't think there is either, but do you agree that it, it almost tastes like juice added type tartness? I wonder if that's just flight. <laughs> I don't think it is. Um, there's a lot of... So let's see here. It says tropical hop flavor, but it doesn't... Yeah, that's all. that's all beer. It's a lot of like, um, mango and uh, almost like banana. There is a banana thing in there. Yeah, the mouthfeel kind of helps with that, mm-hmm. right? The thicker mouthfeel, and it, it's not like it's not it's not like um, happy bites and banana. It's like like underripe like fresh banana Mm -hmm. i'm thinking mostly mosaic with some galaxy uh to bring this about perhaps a little citra maybe because there's i think that's what's giving it that often the mango with i'm getting you know i still think pineapple is a pretty big part of the flavor as well that's good Mm mm-hmm I like how it's the, the kind of acidic and bitter bite to it, you know, where it's not just kind of a, a bland or, you know, water or a, I should say like a hazed out, you know, mm-hmm. blended IPA. Yeah, this still has a little bit of a bite to it, which uh, like the New England styles don't necessarily some have. Some of them don't, yeah. yeah. But I, for, I, I'm liking the variation. I'm liking how mm-hmm. this one actually has some bite to it still. This is the Impressionist from Old Mother Brewing Company. This is um, this is really well done. The kind of beer that I, I would easily call like a, a go to. Uh, it's a little high in alcohol, so it's six point eight percent. For it, it is like a twelve a, ounce can, though. Yeah, you know where most of these kinds of beers come in pounder cans, right? So that that helps offset the alcohol. Probably mm-hmm. helps offset the price point too. Probably. Actually, there is a price tag on this can, I think. No, the last one had a price tag. Mm. This one doesn't. Um, can on ten ten. Still, it's, it's still. I mean, Ooh, months- it's a, it says "Maiden Voyage" on the can here. Huh. Okay. Well, it, like it might be the first time that that beer was canned, or it's a relatively new brewery. I don't know. Maybe. They don't have a website, so that won't help us. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, well, since this was added to Untapped uh, in June of 2017, I doubt it. Maybe canning, though. Maybe. Perhaps. It's a. Yeah, it's one of the shrink wrap labels, so they probably have like mobile mm-hmm. canning or something like that. Well, they did a good job because yep. it's two months and it's still uh, mm-hmm. keeping all its flavors. It tastes like it straight out, straight in the can. Mm-hmm. I mean, it tastes like it's like two weeks old. 
pretty good. All right. All right, let's throw another sour down. <laughs> let's do the Berliner Weiss. This is from... Mully's. Mully's Brewery. The Fruit Tart. There, I believe, the ones that are in Gaithersburg. <laughs> Fruit Tart, uh, Berliner Weiss, 5.5% alcohol by volume. So, went from a Goza. This time, this is a Berliner Weiss. No salt. Right. Um... More or less the same. Kettle sour, yeah. yeah. Big wheat part of the grist, you know. It's the the malt is at least for someone who's never brewed either. Similar, probably difference in like water chemistry. It could be. I mean, goes is from Leipzig and Berliner Weisses are from Berlin, so yeah. um, it could be some terroir, you know, in the not just in the fermentation, but you know, in like the water. Um, and then this guy has fruit added as well, right? All tropicals, apricot, mango, pineapple type stuff. Indeed. <laughs> Trying to read when that is canned on. It looks like 6928018. Oh, that was a good day. <laughs> Says six ninety two. Well, no, it, it's the the da 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 It's the M F and D O double G. On well, obviously the six hundred ninety second day of the year. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I guess I guess they're not against, but they're in Prince Frederick, Maryland. Where was the one that was Gaithersburg? I don't know. I know Elder Pine is, but there's yeah. another one yeah. that I thought was in Gaithersburg. Um, another one from Greg. Thank you, Greg. So this is fruit tart, apricot, mango, and pineapple, as we said. And as I said, it was 5.5%. I have all my volume. This one, uh, the aromas, it's not, so the descriptors I'm about to use are descriptors we typically use in spoiled beers. Um, I'm not smelling anything bad in this beer. I'm getting something that's a little bit like pool toy, but not, not in all the bad ways I've ever, ever used pool <laughs> toy. Like in a, the beer smells good, but there's this curious note of chlorine and plastic, but it, not. How can you say that and not mean it in a bad way? Yeah, I don't mean it in a bad way. I don't. I don't get those. I, don't, I get more uh, of a more of a weedy Berliner Weissy kind yeah. of smell. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, well, that's you know, it's, it's the equivalent of saying asphalt, right? And not meaning it in a bad way, but you know, have a taste. Okay. Um. Really good, really bursting with fruit flavor. Um, it doesn't feel overdone. No, it has nice a, tartness. Strikes another really good balance. Um, distinctly different from the Goza, mm -hmm. right? You know, the salt makes a big difference. This one um, quite is, you know, the salt kind of like opens up your taste palate, right? And this one doesn't kind of dive right deep into your tongue right away. It takes more time to settle in the flavor. And... Uh, the fruit's kind of the same kind of an application, right? This guy's a yellow beer. It's not fruit-colored. It And again, is, I mean, the fruits that are used are apricots, mangoes, and pineapples. So it is fruit-colored. It it's, it's colored the same way as those are. But it happens to be the same way that the Berliner Weiss is colored anyway. Right, right. It's, it's, it's also a secondary, right? It's, it's not supplanting mm -hmm. the tartness or the malt right. backbone of the Berliner Weiss. Um, which is great. These are great balances for both these beers. These mm -hmm. are what brewery should strive for in doing fruited kettle sours. Right, the sour is, is right on. It's it's enough to be there and to be noticeable and to have a little bit of a push to it, but not without overdoing it. Mm -hmm. 
Now that I'm making you pucker like you're like you're drinking. Uh, yeah, this one has a little bit of Sour Patch Kid in there, right? You know, the citric acid type, type thing. Technically, it's lactic acid, but tastes a little bit more like a power, Sour Patch Kid to me, maybe because of the fruit in there, mm-hmm. right? You know, like think of dried candy pineapples, right? And kind of plays along right now. I'm tasting, it's a little more sour than the Goza was. I'm tasting, tasting peach skins right now. Okay, kind of getting that, like, something growing to yeah, peach yeah. skin, peach fuzz. Well, since we're drinking sour stuff, let's let's go sour. Oh, oh, oh! Mm-hmm. There's been a little bit of a uh, craft beer is ninety nine percent asshole free. That that was the old way of doing things. There's been a lot of kind of uh, consternation recently about labor practices in craft beer. We made a mistake in this episode where we said it was Treehouse who had the poor labor practices, where it is Trillium. So for this next segment. Anytime we say Treehouse, we mean Trillium. Uh, and I think mm. that it, it, it well, the big one. Treehouse. Treehouse was the big, was where, where like a lot of this started, right? But there's a bunch of stuff, a bunch of, of complaints are starting to happen about this because oh, sure. it's a. Huge now it's, industry. It's it's, it's it's so funny, right? I mean, I think it's it's um, what's the thing the, the consequence of just the scale, right? Because you would expect the largest craft breweries to be the ones that are, you know, kind of not caring about their employees. And you look at some of the largest, you know, Sierra Nevada, New Belgium, Oscar Blues, and they all do really well by their employees. Mm-hmm. And then you look at these small little startups that are printing money, and you know they're the ones that are getting the rep of you know screwing everyone over. Yeah, printing money with their hazies. Um, the interesting thing is that <laughs> there's so much to, to to like unpack here, but there's there's been so much of a I mean, the whole craft beer independent label, right? All that mm-hmm. stuff is all down to to this camaraderie of breweries, that, this ideal yeah. that everyone you know everyone's in this together, and all that stuff. And that's true amongst the brewers, but then you realize that there are still people that have jobs that are doing that are doing this work. A lot of it is very hard work. Uh, you know, sometimes can be pretty thankless uh, or not paid attention it can to, but even be dangerous. It can right? even be it's... very dangerous. And as breweries and beers get more popular, these jobs are out there, but they're not given uh, adequate compensation to to, to the I mean, level of it, the treehouse is like a particularly egregious example, right? They were doing like they were actively being assholes to their like server staff and stuff like making them reapply for their jobs at a pay cut and like you know moving them to like tipped employee status and... right there there's a lot of yeah stuff that was the treehouse was doing that was like really noxious but it it only turned a light on everybody else that was doing things that were kind of shady and or mm-hmm. not sure. truly on the up and up. And this stuff is kind of ignored when you're like, oh, the community's so great. And then you look underneath the, you pull the carpet and there's a lot of like, there's a lot of bugs <laughs> or dust devils or something running around there, right? I mean, right. So like, you know, are people going to vote with their wallets? Or are they going to stop buying these haze boys that, you know, like, would we not do a treehouse on the show? No. I don't think that that's... We might... I mean, if it gets bad enough, we might say... Well, first off, we uh, don't have any sway or power. Yeah. I don't want I don't want the listeners to think that our protest will be heard by treehouse. Yeah, and... It and... wouldn't. I know that. I'm not... Don't, don't think for a second that I'm... Full enough on myself that I think Treehouse would hear our Yeah, and at the same, and also, I've, you know, a, a big guiding principle has been, has been the beer in the glass, not not who makes it or, yeah. or what their politics yeah. are or stuff like that. And that was mostly, you know, 
focused towards let's see what Budweiser's doing. Right. right? It's it, but now it takes a different thing. Like, well, we, if we're going to stick with that mantra, that motto, we we can't not have a treehouse because they're assholes, right? Oh, uh, you know, they're treating their employee. But one, I mean, one of the things that was, that was made mention of is that a lot of breweries, you know, they they use labor that is not paid for. You have done that in the past. Not not you, you've done it. Just because you wanted to be a part of the process, it wasn't like yeah. you you felt yourself being exploited. Uh, yeah, it, it was just it was one day. Yeah, and it was. People pay to do that. People mm-hmm. pay to be a brewer for a day. It's a thing you auction at a charity auction, right. stuff like that, right? So, you know, I think that's different. Yeah, it's the the people not being paid for their services are not people who like oh my god I'm a home brewer brewing I mean, a big you, system if, if, if you pay to be a brewer for a day you're not cleaning out the probably not going to be washing out the tank with a power washer like you've done right <laughs> yeah probably so unless you want the real experience right <laughs> you got to pay extra for that <laughs> um but like you said you did it for you know a day and, and it was fun and it was probably not something you'd like. And, and if you were asked, you'd be like, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll do it today. But if it said, so I need you for like two weeks, you'd be like, oh, I can't do that now. Right? right. Um, so, but we have it right now an economy where there's lots of jobs out there, but there's also lots of, not a lot of <clears throat> money being provided by all those lots of jobs and people are getting multiple jobs and then they get yeah. these jobs that aren't wonderful but they do them because they pay money and breweries like anybody else like any other company are going to are need to make money to survive and they need and they need to cover yeah. the 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 cost of labor Let's be clear that what we are drinking is the labor of people. Yeah. I mean, let's hope that the light that the media is shining on this and the you know the tiny little pen light that we are as well mm-hmm. can get things lined up and get it going better, right? I mean, that's that, I think that's why we're spending the time, right? You put in our two cents, see if we can affect some change in some way. The only way this changes... Is by the industry getting smaller. I think some bad press and some shaming will go a little, a little part. bit. But you're always going to have people who are sweeping under the rug and who are just not. Well, sure, there's there's always going to. I mean, for you know, there's a bit of a land rush, a bit of a gold rush in getting in, into beer in the last several mm-hmm. years. So you're going to get the less scrupulous types of people running these breweries. So. That whole this is a very it might have even been spawned from the treehouse talk, but um, John Surratt, um, beerinator guy, does uh, lives in Chicago, did the beer mapping project. I think he works for Cicero now, I'm not sure, but you know, he he uh, he tweeted at Sam saying, Hey, could you update your quote? <laughs> like, what would you the 99% asshole free? Oh. Like, like, where would you put it at these days? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a good point, right? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, that was done when when it was a much smaller community, and oh, yeah. also like much smaller as like one fifth the size or but, less. And that was also before things like Me Too, right? And, and before the definition of asshole changed a bit. Like what what we consider to be an asshole has now expanded, <laughs> and you're not celebrating it with Dennis Leary songs, right? Um, I I just it, it's it's an it's an interesting phenomenon, but it's it's entirely predictable that this sort of thing would happen. Yeah. All right. Okay. We've had our say of of, of saying nothing, being very opinionated, this being very show. opinionated about about uh, but saying, oh, we disapprove, <laughs> shaking our fingers and yes. then doing nothing about it. Okay. <laughs> the next time someone sends us a treehouse, we're going to drink it in the pre-show. Yeah. And in the not talk too. about it. All right. Okay. Well, we have a Saison. Let's try the Saison. Right. Then we'll go back to Sour. Then we'll finish with the Porter. Okay. So this... I need to find a bottle opener. 
<laughs> what a world we live in where it's like, holy shit, Even the a beer, beer tasting podcast has to locate their bottle opener. Uh, so this is from Aslan out in Seattle. This is Francis Farmer, a Brett Saison. Yeah, this is one of the beers I brought back from, actually, technically, I didn't bring this back from Seattle because I didn't check a bag. One of my coworkers, Shannon, she she was checking a bag. I'm like, hey, can you mule some beers back for me? <laughs> and we were eating uh, dinner at a place called Malton Vine in Redmond. And well, we weren't eating, I recommend we went there because some of the coworkers at work and who live work out there recommended it. And we got there and realized it was a no food type beer bar. Uh. But in the strip mall, there was this Korean barbecue place, like two doors down. And so we had good food, brought it in. And, uh, yeah, so I picked up this beer and the next beer at Malton Vine. 6.3% alcohol by volume, 24 IBU. There are Pilsner malts, raw wheat, and Vienna malts. The hops are Mauling, Premiant, and Strissel Spalt. So Saison, you're not going to get much hopping. Uh, it is Brett. There are four varieties of Brett that are used. Okay. And age four months in a French oak footer. Okay. When I smell this, the first thing I smelled was like a super sizzly carbon essence on this, right? Um, and then it seemed a li- little bit ginger ale like the kind of zing that I got on the nose. But then ginger ale went away, and now kind of the breath's coming through. It's... What is that? The the malt, yeah, peach, right? I mean, it's like peach. The wheat malt is really strong. It is kind of, kind of. Uh, it almost smells a little gritty. Um, color is more yellowish than I expected, based on the color in the uh, picture on the site. But I mean, that's just lighting, man. It's lighting. Yeah, it's, it's behind it. that. That's a white background, yeah. and the, little, the the light is diffused. So. Smells good. There's a little bit of something that's crossing between root beer, buckwheat, and tobacco in the nose. Yes. Yeah, that that you kinda nailed it. On to the flavor. The ginger ale type flavor is in there. Yeah, high carbonation on this, right? Mm-hmm. But there's um, like a sweet kind of spicy zing to it, like it, it, and the root, like this. There's like a sweetness that reminds me of root beer. There's for, a, for all of the uses of Brett here, I don't. I'm not getting a lot of like funk or even really interesting buzz. I'm getting a lot of oak. Mm-hmm. Um. But the oak's like it's in there, but it's not. This this beer is like kind of on the aqui or no? What's the word I'm looking for? Um, the opposite of dry, right? It's not sweet, but saturated. It's uh, yeah, yeah. It 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 feels um, almost like fortified. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was expecting something drier. I was expecting something with more, uh, more character. Francis Farmer from Aslan Brewing Company. I, I feel like this is a mini saison. Like, like it's almost like I wanted to go a lot further. the The Brett stuff is in there, and it's good, but it's like aftertaste nuance, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're getting the kind of papery thing at the end, and it works. It's that root beer thing in the middle, that sweet um, root beerish thing that you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, and that's yeah, syrupy, syrupy yeah. thing that's in the middle is weird. It's taking away from all the really interesting stuff that saisons do. Like, there's a delicate finish on this thing that mm-hmm. is like, yeah, but then there's this like steamroller of like what this reminds me of is one of my corny kegs, right? You know, they used to have soda in it, right? Mm-hmm. And if you get a root beer keg, you have to replace all the rubber, all the because you just can't get the root beer out of it. 
And I know one of my kegs would taste like soda. Probably root beer, maybe ginger ale. I don't know. But, you know, beer after beer, I was, like, tasting the soda. Can you explain what a corny keg is? It's a keg that a home brewer uses. Uh, <laughs> 20 years ago, soda, used to, soda syrup used to come in these. And the fountain drinks at the restaurants and stuff would have these, you know, steel kegs in the back with a pipe that, and carbonated water would be mixed with it mm-hmm. at the tap. And you would get your soda. It would be like the the soda that comes out of fountain drink taps or is like actually mixed at the mm-hmm. nozzle, right? Right. Uh, today, the syrup comes in a foil bag in a cardboard box, but they used to come in these reusable kegs. And they're five-gallon kegs. They have a hatch on top so you can clean them. Great for home brewers. That's a corny keg. They're like they're taller than yeah. They're they're like a sixtal. They're but they're less volume than a sixtal. You know, anyone who's bought a craft beer keg mm-hmm. has probably bought a one sixth barrel. You know, they're much like that. Except, yeah, like I said, they have a hatch on top, so you you can actually reach your arm in the thing and scrub it out. This is what you you force pressurize, right? This is yeah. You can yeah. You, and that's yeah. um, it's a serving vessel, but you know, it's a serving tank, but you. Yeah, you can carbonate your beer. This way, you don't have to worry about doing the whole bottle conditioning thing. You just put your you put after your beer kidding, yeah. after it's done after it's done fermenting. You put your beer in there, screw it on, apply the carbon dioxide into it, and then let it sit for like two days. You can if you get the beer cold and shake it a lot. You can do it in an hour. Um, corny short for Cornelius or Cornelius Cornelius kegs Cornelius. Yes. That we're just full of information today. Hey, I mean, I think uh, that's part of what we do. Yeah, this beer, I want to love it, but that root beer thing's rough. Uh, there's parts of it that I think are really nice, but there, there's too much wrong with it. But it's not, like, when you say wrong, I just want to specify, there's, like, no production flaw. It just, no. There's not, yeah, there's not a... Uh, it tastes clean. It tastes tastes like what the brewery... There's not an infection. There's yeah. not a, a a poorly done thing that, you know, adds diacetyl or something yeah. to it. it yeah. It's it's done right. It's just, I'm not buying the recipe, right? I'm not, I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not with it. I'm with you, too. Oh, we finished it. We didn't pour it out, so... Yeah, there's that. You gotta love good root beer once in a while. <laughs> Just not on craft beer radio. Um, all right. So you said we're gonna do the lady next. My pressure's getting worse and worse <laughs> and worse. Well, the show just generally gets worse and worse as we go. So this is from Urban Family, line. also in Seattle. You brought this one back, or did Shannon bring this one back? Shannon brought this one back. <laughs> I, I purchased it, and she stuck it in her suitcase. So. This is a golden sour dry hopped with laurel hops. So I brought back some Urban Family last time, and it was one of the breweries I spent. You know, like I I, I tasted everything they had uh-huh. and got pretty drunk in the process the last time I was out there. And they mostly sour brewery, not not exclusively sour, but they generally do a really good job. So I'm excited to try a new one from them. All right, we had two good sours today. Uh. Hazy yellowish straw. Yeah, it's as hazy as your Haze Boy IPAs. They call it a golden sour dry hop with laurel hops, 5% alcohol by volume. So the biggest difference here, right, is this is going to be kind of a culture sour in a barrel as opposed to kettle soured. Even though I guess one of these was in a barrel, right? One of them was in a fooder. No, this was in a fooder. Oh, that wasn't. I thought. I thought. I thought the Berliner was in a food or two. No, I don't. I didn't have any information about the food. Okay. It, it may have been. I doubt I, it. I, you said fooder at some point. And I, I said re- fooder with regards to that guy. I remembered it being earlier. Because you never said oaky when we tasted that one. You yes, said, I did. I no. said oaky when we were t- Okay. I just went through You're, the matrix. <laughs> the Mandela effect is hit Jeff. Berenstain Bears. So it's mostly just clean on the aroma, getting maybe a little bit of like a floral note. Uh, I'm getting kind of uh, there's, there's something. There's a little 
I'm getting, you know, it's sour and it's mm-hmm. kind of a minerally like stone, like a limestone, a uh, bit of oakiness in there. These guys have a huge barrel room, so pretty much everything, you know, sour runs through barrels. And um, I'm trying something new here with okay. my, with my, what I'm doing is I'm blowing in to kind of blow out all of the air and then doing the turn oh. so that all the stagnant air that was there, I blow it out. I do a turn to get some new aroma in there. You have to let me know how that works. Hmm. Yeah, so this is a different kind of, of beer. Mm. This one has has a surprisingly full body to it. It It's almost like they took some of the milkshake IPA type body, even though it doesn't taste like lactose, or you know, and kind of put it in this beer. And then the sour. It's a deeper, more lingering sour. Deeper, more lingering sour. That's a good way to put it. It is. There's a little bit of kind of washed rind cheese note to it, but it's still mostly fruity. But it's not like straight up citrus. The dry hopping is is supporting it, but it's not like straight up front, right? right? It doesn't taste like, you know, like a. They threw a bale of zots in here or something like that. It says laurel dry hop sour. Is laurel kind of hot? Laurel's a hop, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I'm... So the, 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 the sourness is more like lemony, kind of lemon-lime-ish. Um, yeah, yeah. There's and almost a bit of lime leaf, like if you're a lime leaf in there too, there's mm-hmm. a bit of an herbal thing. I'm conflicted in some sense because I think this is a more complicated and harder beer to make, but the other two sours I enjoy more. Um, You're allowed. No, I'm definitely allowed. I know I'm allowed. (laughs) I'm I'm conflicted in the sense that this this one took more effort and more you know time and all other stuff to build a nice culture and all this other stuff. These they went the quote unquote easy way. To get a sour, you're allowed to have a burger, burger once in a while, right? A McDonald's burger once in a while. I should hope. <laughs> so you know, it's like don't don't be conflicted because you know, be happy you're in a world with variety and not everything right. is a fruited Berliner. You know, you want to reward a well done sour like this, but the other sours I think are are more enjoyable to me. Don't worry, so, I'll, I'll cover for you because I'm liking this beer quite a bit. It's one of those beers I. Not able to go on and on and on about. Tastes like a lemon drop candy. Yeah, but the the soft edges on this thing, right? The well, I mean, the integrate it, it's tart, right? So soft, really, but it it's put together. This thing has legs, right? This this beer is a excellently crafted beer, mm-hmm. and I'm appreci- I'm appreciating how well it's put together, but also the flavors are just working for me. But you may notice I'm staying vague because I don't have a million things to describe to, to say it's about It's not telling beer. a story or anything. It's 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 giving a nice sour flavor that's more like lemon drop candy. Yeah. It's well put together and well done. <clears throat> but I'm not inspired by it or like feel blown oh, away. Oh, now I'm getting the dry hopping. Ooh. Try taking a little bit bigger sip. See if you can get kind of the, the dry hopping off the top there. Because that really plays well with the other stuff. The, bit, the, the, the acidity is a little bit less apparent. The lemon lime stuff is a little bit less apparent. And you're getting this great, like, Hallertau type hop flavor across the top. No, you didn't get it? That I want sh- to. I want to. Right. I, well, that's one thing about the spear. Maybe if that was a little more apparent. I mean, do we have a date? Maybe this thing's a little hop faded, right? Um, when I bought it, it was a sour, so I wasn't super concerned about the mm-hmm. date. Uh, I don't see a date on the the label part. I don't see one hiding in the hiding bottle. in the hiding on the bottle. Yeah. So maybe if the hops are a little more apparent, you know, it'd give more of a story to tell. Uh, when I am able to tease out those hops, it's like, oh, 
Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that needs to be stronger then. I mean, if if that's yeah. the, the but key here. If this thing was if this thing spent six months on the shelf, you can't blame Urban Family that much. I can't blame Urban Family that much, but I can say that it's not there and, and that means that you know sure. I can't I can't evaluate sure. that part of here. the beer. Okay, take a sip of this, because the second sip in a row I got tons of hops. No? I feel like I'm stretching to try okay. to taste it. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. We don't have to be in the same place. We often aren't. Again, I think it's really well done and good. Yeah. Um, so, so, I don't know. I got to a place. I got my lens focused uh-huh. on it. And I can get the hops every sip. And now... You know, it's a great play between the sour, the lemon drop, lime leaf thing, and this grassy and very distinct hop flavor. It's light, but it's distinct for me. And now I could probably, you know, I found some facets. I found some tunnels that I can explore. And uh, it just kind of elevated the lady for Urban Family in my book here. This is, I'm enjoying this quite a bit. Wrong pipe. Spit take. <coughs> Wrong pipe. All right, one more beer. Let's get a good rinse so we're not souring up our rye porter. Yeah, it feels like that could be a problem. <clears throat> All right. So... Back to back to Gaithersburg, Maryland. For Another these old stomping grounds. Transpire, which is a rye porter. Five point four. Okay, this is this beer looks different. <laughs> Doesn't look like a hazy IPA. Two stars. Uh, five point four percent alcohol by volume. Rye porter. That's all I got because they don't have websites anymore. <laughs> Yes, please. I'm getting a little. My aroma factory is closing down on me. Okay, so there's. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's it's black with sort of brown highlights. Um, onto the aroma, getting a nice, rich, robust porter. It's it's a little. It's definitely roasty. It's bordering on ashy, just a touch. The rye, to me, is not really apparent in the aroma, but the porter is this rich, drippy, roasty, cocoa-y, almost ashy porter. There is a case where that blowy thing that I just devised worked for me because the first thing I was smelling without doing that was a little kind of weird, like, Band-Aid-y thing, which I think is just... I tend to get that with these ashy beers. Maybe it's just okay. my my the way you process the phenolics, yeah. yeah. And I just but blowing it out and okay. letting the new aromas come in, I get more. Yeah, that chocolatey, roasty stuff okay. you're talking about. So if you're like me and you, and you smell these things, like you're really going into them, you're like, <laughs> band aid stuff, less there? phenols, more goodies. Mouthfeel in the beer is kind of medium full, has kind of a milkshake type. Uh, uh, can't use milkshake anymore. IPAs ruined it. Um, has kind of a bit of a fuller flavor to it. Still has a lot of dark roast to it. So you're getting some like dark roast, like French roast coffee. You're getting the rye in there. I'm actually getting the rye in there now. Okay, so here's something they say uh, large portions of rye, caramel rye, and chocolate rye. Wait, what? Yeah, I know, right? You, I guess, why couldn't you do rye in the same way as barley and, yeah, and get yeah, those same you, kind of... Those are just degrees of... Of how um, you dry it and roast yeah, it, right? Because, yeah. like, uh, roast rye, you, typically after it's malted, you'll kiln it 
and you'll a kiln in a kiln where you'll remove the humidity so mm-hmm. it'll dry out. And then if you want chocolate rye, you'll raise the temperature and it'll be a higher temperature and it'll start to darken. And then for caramel or caramel type malts, you leave the humidity in there so it kind of stews a little bit. And the sugar is, it doesn't dry out. It kind of caramelizes the sugar that way, you know, so you get kind of a sweeter, a little more, well, that's what caramel is, right? right. So uh, I can't use a different word to describe caramel. That is the description. Um, so that's interesting. I'm surprised that it's not more rye in the flavor, but maybe because it's so portery. That's kind of hiding it a little. There's bit. a lot of rye here. I mean, you say it's not more rye, but there's there's a lot of this is distinctly rye. Um, it has that yeah, bite. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that for sure. It has a nice body to it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like I don't really associate rye with giving you a nice full like creamy body. I would think it would generally like be on par with barley but be a bit more spicier and and this one has this nice almost like uh <clears throat> cappuccino type body to it yeah i think it they i think they use a lot of rye here in order to bring out that yeah body uh it's uh it feels much more decadent than than, than your typical sort of rye offering it it pull, does pull some nice sweet as you get used. You know we had some callop, definitely some calibration coming off a of sour coming to this right. So you might not pick up that ashiness. I think that might be a flight thing. Now that I'm getting into the spear, it's t- I'm getting more cocoa, more coffee. Uh, the rye is in there. The this is a pretty good porter. Yeah, and if nothing else, the contrast to all the sours is also helping. It, it, it's the flight. This this makes mm-hmm. for a nice like dessert on top of all that stuff. Well, that's it. I'm surprised how how now that I'm a little bit acclimated to it, how dessert this is. How kind of you know, it's giving me a nice chocolatey bump. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sweet. Has a cappuccino type character to it. Yeah, like. A little bit of even like a latte thing is coming through, even though yeah. there's not like any milk sugar or anything in there. Right, right. I'm ta- that's yeah, the same thing. We're talking about the same thing there. It's pretty neat. It's good stuff. Yeah, this is really good. Greg has a knack at finding good beers for us. He does. He knows what he's doing. All right, I think we should rank. Wow, this is gonna be a tough one. For me, yeah, yeah, they were all. This is a good show. There mm-hmm. wasn't a slouch in the bunch. There was a slouch in the bunch. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Francis Farmer, but you're right. That was the slouch. The root beer thing wrecked that beer. Yeah. Uh, there was some neat nuance in there, but why would you put root beer? No, they didn't put root beer in their beer, but. Sure tasted it, like yeah, that. Yeah, it definitely tasted like it. And then in fifth place, I am going to... He's the hard luck loser. I'm going to put the Mullies, the Berliner Weiss, the Fruit Tart in fifth place. I'm going to put the F is for Fruit in fourth place. I, I think I, I think the Goza in that just kind of opened up the flavor a little bit more. And I don't know, man, maybe not. Because I like the fruits and the mullies better. Switch. 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 Uh, the evil twin, the F is for fruit salad, is in fifth place. The mullies is in fourth place. Uh, as I drank the mullies, uh, I could kind of get into the malts a little bit more. And then that, that kind of apricot pineapple type flavor i think i dug over the berries that were in the fs for fruit salad oh the top three beers oh boy oh boy they were delicious i liked them all quite a bit i think i will put the elder pine in third place that's this rye guy i think all the sours on our palate might have kept me from appreciating it more hmm but I do like what's in there, and I do like when a beer shows me rye. Um, rye's a 
a flavor it's it's hard to get it's almost like when i read that budweiser label when i was a kid and like or when i started tasting beer it's like the the finest hops i'm like what do hops taste like it doesn't well <laughs> what part of this flavor is hops you know and often in rye beers you have that same feeling like what part of this flavor is rye the odd thing is we've been to the budweiser hot place they do have some yeah. of the finest hops yes <laughs> you're you're right but like <laughs> rye beers you often have the same thing like what mm-hmm. part of this flavor is the rye and this one uh, helps describe it but you know it's definitely not kind of like a single malt like like this is obviously rye because it's tied up in the porter there's a bunch of interesting stuff but this is also the first time i've had a caramel chocolate rye porter mm. uh i think i'm gonna put the lady in second place I really liked the the maturity of this sour. I once I started tasting the dry hopping, it really kind of tied that beer together. Uh, I wish the, the dry hopping was more apparent, and I wish that Greg could taste it. And um, <laughs> that would be nice. Yes, but uh, that was good. I'm going to put the impressionist in first place. The Hayes boy wins again. I guess um, this one was different. This one brought some of that bite to it yeah and, and if it didn't have the bite i would have put it in third place but that bite and kind of you elevated it up to the top all right my rankings are a little different uh in last place of course the aslan um not to be confused with aslan not aslan aslan but you know aslan as aslan can can mess it up too so they have mm-hmm. uh yeah just it, it was not what we were looking for in a Brett Saison is really the, the, the thing. And it, Raise your hand if you want root beer flavor in your Brett Saison. No, I don't see I think else. you could... Well, there's nobody else here. No. <laughs> Except in your mind. In your mind's eye. I, I think it could work with that flavor, but I just... That that sort of saturation we were talking about in the middle was right. not, yeah. not working. Um, I'm going to put the Urban Family... Like all the, all five of these beers, other than the Aslan, are excellent. Yes, excellent. So I'm not going to. Um, what I put in fifth place versus what I put in first place, the difference is extraordinarily arbitrary to the point where uh, I, I could see any of these hitting first place. Yes. So this. So it should be noted at least for the record, uh, that I don't think the Urban Family is awful by putting it in fifth place. It's just my particular taste of the night. I'm, we haven't hit the new year. I'm forced to do a ranking because we, 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 <laughs> we did our skip ranking once this year. Uh, and we, we said we, we only have one option to do it per year. That's our shtick. Fifth place. So, yeah, I mean, it was great. I didn't get that, that hopping stuff that Jeff was talking about. Uh, the other sours gave me more immediate kind of bursty, fruity pleasure. So I'm going to have the other... Uh, fruity pleasure. That's fruity the name of the pleasure. show. That's the title of the show. <laughs> I was thinking of the title of the show. is going to be more about, like, sour and how everything... We're so sour, especially in our... Old and sour. Old and sour. These aren't really old. Fruity, pl- no, we're old. Yeah, fruity pleasure, sour but fruity. Fruity pleasure, fruity pleasure. Okay, fruity pleasure. Uh, <laughs> fine, you won me over. Uh, in fourth place, I'm gonna put the evil twin. F is for fruit salad. Um, it's very good goza. Uh, I think that the the, the mullies a little bit better. I'm gonna be a little bit different here. I put the elder pine this transpire in third place, and put the mullies in second. Uh, I think that mullies was you know, bursting with all this fruit flavor right out of the gate, and I really enjoyed that. I am surprised you put the IPA in first place. I just thought you weren't doing it tonight. I I really liked that IPA. Was, like I, was, I said, it was like it was one of those things where I could see making this a yeah. Uh, a standard. I, and I thought for sure the Mullies was going to be your number one and Elder Pine was going to be number two. Hey. You surprised me. I, I'm, capable, I'm capable of doing that occasionally. After all these years. But yeah, I'm going to agree with the, Je- with, with the Jeff and put Old Mother. The Jeff. <laughs> I was going to say agree with Jeff and put the Old Mother, but <laughs> I switched around. 
uh, in first place, and that's uh, that's all I got. Well, that was a fun show. Thanks yeah. everyone for listening to Craft Beer Radio. We really do. We didn't do a commercial. No, it's we too didn't. late for Christmas. Hopefully, you did all your shopping at craftbeerradio.com/slash/amazon. Uh, it was probably the best shopping you've ever done. Mm. And uh, thanks for everyone for listening. If you want to email us, that's beer at craftbeerradio.com. Don't worry about the tweets anymore. Um, because I'm kind of like eh, on Twitter right now, barely paying attention. Uh, but we do appreciate you listening, and we'll be back again next time because we will never quit. <laughs> We're never gonna let you down. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs>